Welcome to the OVW Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Ohio Valley Wrestling. I'm the man that your mom warned you about, Brian Hines. And I am your mom's favorite podcast host, Jackman Oaks. Damn it. I always wanted to use that one, but you beat me to it. Well, that was, uh, I'll be honest, I like to do different wrestlers' catchphrases every single week um, here, kind of just as a little wink at the fans. Like, you guys get it, I get it. Look how good of a wrestling fan I am. Look how smart I am. I know all of this stuff about wrestling. But I stole that one straight from Mr. Luscious Lawrence. Again, who beat me to it because I thought about doing that, and I thought, no, I'm not going to be that guy. But he was that guy, so he's that kind of cool. And, and uh Rightly so, because uh, he is Luscious Lawrence. And he was that guy in our podcast studio this past week. That interview will go up on Thursday afternoon, a very exclusive, special, sensual interview with uh, one of our favorite wrestlers on the OVW roster, Mr. Luscious Lawrence. It was great to have him in the studio. Be sure, if you've enjoyed our uh, other two interviews so far, uh, be sure you look out for Luscious Lawrence. For those of you that didn't know, we have a series of interviews on this very podcast feed. So far with Crixus, uh, Freya the Slayer, the upcoming Luscious Lawrence uh, interview, and there are a lot more lined up down the road that we're looking forward to not only recording, meeting these people, but bringing to you guys, our fans of the OVW podcast. Who are they, you might ask? We're not telling. Yes. Not yet. Like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Pay attention to social medias. Maybe get a little bit of a glimpse of who we're having on. Uh, but we're very excited about all the guests that we've had and all the guests that we're going to have in the coming weeks. So just be sure to keep a lookout on our podcast feed for those interviews. They're a lot of fun to do, and I um, I think that so far that's reflected um, in the audio that we've been able to get with these guys. Yeah, I uh, was listening uh, this morning on the way in. I went back and listened to our interview with Crixus and our interview with Freya, and uh, I have to admit that I was a little bit nervous because uh, there aren't there hasn't been a whole lot of interview traffic here in the studio as of yet, but uh, I was very excited when they got here, and uh, I had a great time going back and listening to them, and I am even more enthusiastic about uh, hearing our Luscious Lawrence interview and going and, and talking with the people that we have lined up for uh, uh, weeks to come. But today on this podcast, on the episode that you're listening to right now, we are covering all of the action from Ohio Valley Wrestling Television 1260, which originally broadcast live from Historic Davis Arena on October 5th, 2023. Right after this, we'll jump in to all of the, uh, the bouts and matches and angles and stories from this week's episode. Hey folks, Tiny Brian here with you again to talk to you about the only other podcast from Blacklot Moon Productions, Bluegrass Homefront. So I am, uh, you know, we haven't really released an episode in that in about a year and a half or so. So not a lot of traffic over there until I talked about it with you for a minute last week. And suddenly we had a few downloads. And I want to thank you all for those of you who checked it out. I do appreciate it. I do recommend you go back. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's not dated, really. Maybe a little bit you'll be able to figure out when, we, when we're talking. But for the most part, it's just good Kentucky stories and great Kentucky music. You can hear... Uh, Kentucky native artists of uh, obviously some bluegrass, some country, some rock, some R&B, some hip-hop, just kind of everything you're looking for, all Kentucky natives, all Kentucky music and stories. Give it, give, it a, give it a check it out. Check it a give it out. Whatever it is, do it. Go to bluegrasshomefront.com and uh, take a listen. Also available anywhere where you get your podcasts. 
And uh, now back to the OVW podcast already in podcast. Welcome back to the OVW podcast, the unofficial podcast of Ohio Valley Wrestling. I'm still Jack Minogue. And I remain behind. Let's we we had a lot of uh, a lot of action kind of in the first half of OVW television this past week. The second half was kind of congested with a big old battle royale uh, between all of the tag teams. We'll cover that as soon as we get to it. But we opened up this past Thursday's action with a match between Donovan Cecil and Shotgun Tony Gunn. Uh, this was kind of being pushed heavy as a trainer versus trainee match, a student versus teacher match. And for the second week in a row, Donovan Cecil and Tony Gunn are in the first match of the night. Uh, there is no 80s baby TW3 this time. It's just one-on-one. And uh, Donovan Cecil versus Tony Gunn. Donovan Cecil still impresses. I mean, he's mm-hmm. exceptional. I mean, he's going to go on and do so many great things. It's great to see somebody of that size being able to just whip around the ring like that and somebody who's got that kind of power. I mean, obviously being Kentucky's strongest man, they're going to have that kind of power, but uh, it's really just impressive all the way around. This Donovan Cecil, especially compared to a lot of the other guys that are kind of in the same stature of him, not physically, but the same place on the card as him, uh, it does seem that he's gotten tagged hotter and quicker uh, than some of the other guys at that position on the card. It really seems like the way that he's being booked in these matches that he's putting on, that he is able to get a little more shine than some of the other guys that are in the same place as him. Like, you're being told as an audience member or as a fan, pay attention to this guy. Oh, yeah, even though he <coughs> didn't come out on top last week. Yeah, he can't buy a win to save his life and at this point. He, he wasn't able to pull out a win this week. That still doesn't change the fact that week by week you can see his skill set improving and you can see uh, the amount of effort he puts in and he's just it's just a really entertaining show whenever he's in a match. And for as little as I've seen on him seen of him on television, it does seem that he is just very kind of already put together. Um, already kind of there. There's a little bit of pacing issues that he has, a little bit of intensity issues that he has, but he has kind of, um, they say that you need three things to be a wrestler. You have to have two of the three. Um, You have to either have an impressive look, an impressive skill set, or you have to be good on the mic. Donovan Cecil certainly has two of those. We haven't had the chance to see him on mic yet. No, I I couldn't remember going back and hearing him on the mic or anything yet, but... uh... The other two, yeah, he's definitely got those in spades, and it, I think things are only going to go up from here. If this guy can cut a promo, like, watch, just go ahead and put the belt on him, let him beat everybody. I mean, this guy, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's really, really someone to watch, especially kind of, like I said, there's a group of guys, um, a handful of guys on the OVW roster that are all kind of grouped in together. They're all kind of uh, on the same card position together. But Donovan Cecil, over the last couple of weeks, has made more of an impact on me um, as as I'm watching these, then some of these other guys in that position on the card have made over the course of a few months. Um, just Donovan Cecil, unfortunately, though, can't buy a win. As we mentioned, Shotgun Tony Gunn, his mentor, his trainer, finished him off with the kill shot that's been so deadly to so many other OVW opponents over the past few weeks. Yeah, as he's made a habit of doing. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, he walks out victorious, but I expect big things from... Uh, the Kentucky Strongest Man, Donovan Cecil. 
Uh, we saw a sketch after the conclusion of that match between Adam Revolver and Shannon the Dude. Uh, these guys getting heat every which way, right? That's what kind of what the name of the game is for these two. Yeah, pretty much. You know, talking smack and um, just being the lovely fellows that they are. Uh, this is something I had touched on last week, and I don't want to harp on it, and it's not uh, it's not that, like, I I even have, like, the cleanest sense of humor, and I'm not trying to, like, act like a saint. But there's just, like, they're, they're, if they were close to a line last week, there was a couple, there was a couple of lines this week that maybe crossed it. Um, what does K stand for? Kung Fu Karate Kitchen. That doesn't fly on any other, like, internationally broadcast wrestling program or program in general without catching a ton of flack now i'm not necessarily here to give it flack but i would like i i would feel uh especially kind of in our earlier podcast both of us kind of had the tendency to just like agree with ovw and agree with its point of view of of storytelling and we liked the babies and we hated the heels we have to we have to kind of uh question some decisions every once in a while if we're going to do this the right way and that's kind of a decision that I question is like that one could have got left on the cutting room floor and maybe we don't miss a beat of heat and we don't miss a beat story-wise without a line like that from Shane and the dude yeah there's not a whole lot of places where a comment like that is going to fly these days you know wrestling apparently in this case is one of them but um generally no that's not something you can get away with talking about and it just kind of digs up more heat for for them being the uh, dastardly scoundrels that they are well and just saying it about linda k especially karate kung fu kitchen yeah that's not cool it's a little um sometimes you can be on the line and sometimes you can be over it and we might have just been maybe uh Maybe two, two, two steps over the line on that one. Sweet Jesus. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, after that sketch between Adam Revolver and Shannon the Dude, there's a match between Daygate Bundles and friend of the show, Crixus, the Scottish Warlord. Um, Scottish War Machine. Scottish War Machine. What did I say? The King Scottish of Kentucky, as, he's liked to call him, as he likes to call himself. Yeah. But we'll call him friend of the show. Um, something that we wanted to touch on that we had mentioned off mic uh, prior to the recording of this podcast was Eric Darkstorm. Um, the last time that we saw him, he was kind of involved with an angle with They Get Bundles. Ever since They Get Bundles has come back, uh, he's really only been there to advance an angle with Eric Darkstorm. Uh, and he's also been presented as like kind of Someone that can't be beat, Daggett Bundles has, at least as he was building this angle with Eric Darkstorm. Um, this evening he lost to Crixus. Eric Darkstorm was nowhere to be found. He hasn't been on television in a few weeks. Kind of getting back to that uh, idea of we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't ask certain questions. After Eric Darkstorm's portrayal in The Wrestlers, do you think that that has anything to do with him not being on OVW television? Mm, I'm not going to go straight out and make a direct, draw a direct line from one or the other and say, yes, this is definitely because of wrestlers and how he was portrayed in in that series. Uh, It's possible Mm -hmm. that it is, uh, but not necessarily. I mean, that's 
kind of jumping to conclusions to automatically assume that. Uh, maybe there were other things that came up in the past few yeah. weeks that he had to take care of. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I just... I, I, it is coincidental, though. Yeah, it's a little odd that not only was that angle kind of stopped cold, but someone that you had been building to be perceived as a force lost a great match against a worthy opponent. Um, but it just didn't seem if you were paying attention to the way that Bundles was being perceived on television there uh, during his last few performances that he was due for a loss, albeit to Crixus. Just... Not saying I'm not even trying to say that there is a direct connection between the two. I just think that we should ask these kind of questions. Well, I do feel like it is worth noting that Eric Darkstorm is known to be elusive. He is. For starters. He may be out there in his Camry waiting for waiting to see if he got the call. If he was gonna be on TV that night, that's very likely, actually. But he apparently hasn't received that call for the last few weeks. We haven't seen Eric Darkstorm in the last few weeks. Um, like we said, Crixus beats uh, Day Get Bundles. Pretty, um, pretty cut and dry there. Yeah, he hits him with the Highland Heat Seeker. One, two, three, we're done. That's the end of that. And then afterwards, uh, Crixus had something to say, and he grabbed that mic. And uh, he told Superior Tony Evans that he better watch his back, Buster, because he's coming for him. After the conclusion of that match, uh, we saw Linda Kay and Cal Hero training. Um, Adam Revolver and Shannon the Dude react by saying, holy shit, which is actually the same thing that I said when I saw Linda Kay hitting those kicks in the hallway. Oh my god! I Those had no were idea. Serious. I yeah. didn't realize I had no that she idea. had like an extensive yeah. MMA background. Good for her. We've man. we've just seen her kind of as like a very uh, bubbly, you know, professional um, sideline personality in OVW. Never had the chance to see her get physical. I had no idea that she could kick like that. No, neither did I. Uh, uh, there were things in the match that we saw later that impressed mm-hmm. me as well. I Absolutely. don't know if we're going to jump straight into that or if we're going to talk more about that when we get to that match. But, uh, yeah, I did not see that coming. I mean, we can, we, uh, we can hop right into that match. You know, we can break, Let's break format a little bit. That's something we've never done before on the OVW podcast. Let's hop right into that Linda K match with Cal Hero against Adam Revolver and Shannon the Dude. Sure. I, uh, I mean, it's not every day that you get a uh, an intergender tag team match, so uh, why not? Well, and I think that it's just a really good time to talk about it right now where we're kind of talking about um, Adam Revolver and Shannon the Dude um, and their ability to get heat and how OVW doesn't kind of mind to go a little bit blue with heat. In most other promotions, you would have – it would have been Linda Kay and Cal Hero 100%. Oh, yeah, and that's – Pretty much what I thought it was going to be. It was starting to play out similar to yeah. the match at the end of the big one last year. Mm-hmm. And I thought that maybe the uh, outcome would be similar, but it did not turn out that that was the case this time around. No, absolutely not. Adam Revolver and Shannon, the dude, uh, not only employed every dirty tactic humanly possible, 
uh, in winning that match. But Linda Kay uh, put in her work. She was not out there to be kind of um, eye candy. Getting yeah, eye candy or getting a hot tag or being you know. She was in there putting in the work. She was taking bumps and she was. Uh, getting thrown around by guys that were and Shannon's not a big guy Adam Revolver for what it's worth really isn't that big of a guy either but she was getting thrown around by guys that were twice her size and got back up and kept fighting just out of nowhere she had uh, um, Adam Revolver and a guillotine for crying out loud yeah, yeah. Adam Revolver was on his feet I and thought she that, that had was him. gonna be it I, I really did too I thought wow look yeah, at that she had it cinched in it was great it was great um Really enjoyable match, really enjoyable performance uh, that I didn't see coming at all. Um, just uh, Linda Kay, very impressive throughout the night. But unfortunately, we will have to see how this plays out over the next few weeks because I don't think we're done with this yet. Adam Revolver and Shannon, the dude, carried away the victory tonight. Though. Unfortunately, and that is a setup for Adam Revolver versus Cal Hero for the Rush Heavyweight Championship. Uh, yes, yeah, I think we're going back to that. I yeah, think that, I think we're going back to that. And um, I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's going to be at the pay-per-view on the 21st. I would say so, and while we're speculating, um, you know I love Cal Hero, but I think that he's due one. I think that if that's the direction we're going to the pay-per-view, I think Adam Revolver um, becomes as, the champion. As night. much as I hate to disagree with you, I... I think that you're probably right as far as that goes, but time will tell. It always does. We saw a match uh, throughout the evening as well between Jada Stone. She was, of course, joined by the Bad Girls Club, Tiffany Nieves and Layla Gray against Dream Girl Ellie. Uh, big group promo from the Bad Girls Club, as usual, whenever they hit the ring. Um, Dream Girl Ellie was phenomenal tonight. Um, Jada Stone's always great. This was a matchup that I had kind of been looking forward to uh, for a while. Um, Dream Girl Ellie isn't kind of involved in a storyline right now. The Bad Girls Club is all over storylines in the women's division. Dream Girl Ellie, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers on the card, uh, regardless of gender, um, came out and just looked fantastic. She's got like this whole new set of strikes um, that I hadn't seen her really employ up until very recently. Um, just super believable. She works super snug. Like, love Dream Girl Ellie. Can't wait to kind of see her start to float around um, a title picture again. Uh, the, as far as her strikes go, the commentators did put over that she'd actually been training with Malachi Black over the last few weeks. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. oh, and wow. He's probably the best striker in professional wrestling. Yeah. So if you're going to learn strikes from anybody, Malachi Black is the person to go to. Definitely. Dream Girl Ellie definitely learned from Malachi Black, but it was not enough. The numbers game um, overtakes Dream Girl Ellie, Bad Girls Club uh, win, Jada Stone wins. Um, pretty typical for the Bad Girls Club. Right? It, it's hard to beat a three-on-one in any situation when it comes to that. And uh, as hard as she tried... Um, it just wasn't in her favor this week, unfortunately. Beautiful bridge pin, though. At the yes, end of that, match. that that was pretty impressive. I'm a straight sucker for a bridge pin. I'm a I'm a suck, I'm a sucker for a bridge. Period. Covered, um, county bridge. You know. Has um, anybody seen the bridge? Bridge with a troll underneath it, and the bridge pin is definitely my favorite bridge. Where's uh, that confounded bridge? There's a non-title match after that between the '80s baby TW3 and the veteran Jack Vaughn. 
thoughts? Uh, they they both looked really good this week. Uh, TW3 came out and gave a solid performance. The veteran uh, is out there with his old school hustle and work ethic like he is week in and week out. Uh, it's hard to bet against either one of these guys. But, uh, I mean, clearly the veteran Jack Vaughn is the veteran for a reason and uh it's it's hard to get one past him man it no matter what day it is no matter what you're trying to pull um he's sharp as a tack and tough as nails and it's, it's always a, a challenge to get anything by him or uh just get one over on him in general jack vaughn is such an asset uh for ovw uh not only is he like great character worker and like really respectable uh, title holder, really believable title holder. But he, when you put him in with some of these younger guys, some of these matchups that he gets week in and week out, often in non-title matches, especially with someone that's up and coming like TW3, Jack Vaughn knows exactly where to be to really accentuate what TW3 is able to do. And we saw that basically up until Jack Vaughn hit the Kaiju Lariat for the pin. Yeah, um, he really the the chemistry between these two guys was really really cool to watch, but I don't even think it's a chemistry between these two guys. I think that you could put Jack Vaughn in there with uh, what they used to say a broomstick. Yeah, and you would still enjoy the matches that Jack Vaughn puts on. The guy really is just like uh, he's such an asset to OVW, and he's so fun to watch. Um, and I I love that he <laughs> he makes no bones about his skill set and what he does and who he is even down to just wearing like the old school Arn Anderson trunks like he, he I'm here to take bumps from baby faces that's what I do yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he is that guy from floor to ceiling because that's how he's feeling yeah yeah I love it I love it um Jack Vaughn beats the 80s baby Jesse Goddard's however uh comes down and hits a big time spear on Jack Vaughn as we go into commercial break this uh, Jesse Goddard's and Jack Vaughn thing is is red hot right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's brewing, and who who knows when it's going to bubble over. Um, is it going to be just at the next pay per view? I suspect that it may go a little bit longer than that. One of those uh, slow burn stories, like uh, the the wedding that ended up going way past the big one from last year, and ended up taking eighteen months or so to tell. Was that? That's what Freya said, right? Something like 18 mm-hmm. months they were yeah. in the middle of that story. So I would suspect that this isn't going to be over anytime soon, ladies and gents. Well, and it's just so funny because it is kind of um, slightly antithetical to the way that um, OVW likes to book things. Sometimes you don't like to get your baby face uh, with his hands on the heel repeatedly, but they're not losing any momentum or steam by having Jesse Goddard out there beating up Jack Vaughn every week. It's kind of incredible that the momentum just keeps building, building and building every week, even though the crowd is kind of getting what they want out of the segment. I'm getting what I want. Uh, there was a tag team match after uh, that beat down uh, between Shalance Royale and Ari Alexander. Um, they were, of course, joined by PJ Jones Esquire, uh, they were facing Freya the Slayer and TT Fire and Ice cousins, one from Hawaii, one from Alaska. Sure. Um, we got to see TT with that uh, surfboard stretch again. Crowd really loves that. Uh, we got to see kind of the best of Freya and like what she does with these big power moves. Um, the it's kind of a new tag team, but a lot of chemistry between Freya the Slayer and TT. 
we had joked before if we don't know if they're actual cousins or not, but they certainly have the chemistry of family. Yeah, they sure do. They got along really well in the ring, and uh, they worked together as a team and um, did a, a wonderful job for only having tagged together how many times? Is this their first time? Um, it is, isn't it? I want to say this is the second. Is it the second? In, in I knew as, it was first as or many second. weeks. Ah. So that takes us. We had already covered the intergender match, uh, intergender tag team match that um, would have closed out hour one. Um, Al Snow comes to the ring. Not as thankful this week, I noticed. Uh, didn't thank the crowd immediately, but still very happy to be there. Well, sure he was. The crowd loves uh, Everybody crowd loves, loves Al, Al Snow. Snow. Everybody loves Al Snow. Um, he announces the tag team tournament. That tag team tournament is, of course, named after Nightmare Danny Davis, the founder of Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, it featured Dysfunction, the Outrunners, the Destroyers, Will Austin, and uh, Blanco Loco, who I guess are going by Level X. Um, we had the Fallen uh, in there as well, and Manny Domingo and Starrider, the contendership was rounded out by Beaches and Cream. This was a really long match. This took up a majority of, of hour two. Yeah, the, this was a big chunk of time, and it was a good, ma- it was a good match to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got seven tag teams. So, I mean, it's not like a full-on 20- or 30-man battle royal, but for intents and purposes, I mean, you've got – well, I guess 15 if you count all three members of the Fallen in there. And uh, it was, I mean, it was good. It was an entertaining match. I've always been a big fan of the Battle Royals, and uh, this one did not disappoint. Uh, you've got all the best tag teams in OVW, and uh, one guy goes out, everybody on the team's out. Um, the Outrunners mm-hmm. uh, drove yeah. the bus for I a good chunk see, of this I match. I got the chance to see them over the last few weeks. Always good to see the Outrunners. Yeah, I was, I was very glad to see them with some success during this match, although ultimately they were not uh, walking away as winners of uh, the Battle Royal, but they did manage to put in a very respectable performance this week. This kind of match style, too, um, it's an interesting uh or an interesting way for a wrestler to exercise their skill set because your inclination is to be wrestling as a tag team, but you're doing a fair amount of singles work while also making sure that your tag team partner isn't in peril. There's just so many moving parts in a match like this. Um, so it's kind of no surprise that uh, when all was said and done, the uh, teams that we saw standing at the top were the ones that were the most cohesive. Sure, and that circles back around to uh, what we've talked about the last couple of weeks was um, Beaches and Cream. Mm -hmm. They had had a couple of hiccups, uh, not this past week. This past week, everything went just fine, but the weeks before that, uh, there had been like a miscue here and there and uh, could easily turn have turned into a, a misunderstanding where... Uh, there was a, a big falling out, but that has not been the case. And uh, as a matter of fact, we got to talk to Luscious Lawrence briefly about this in our interview last week. So mm-hmm. check that out on Thursday morning when that drops. But uh, I was glad that we were able to talk about that. As far as Luscious and, and Omar's um, chemistry, it is 
interesting. We were definitely looking for another slip up here because in a match like this, where you have to keep your head on a swivel, anything can happen. Uh, but I would say that not only because they won, but they were probably the two uh, tag team or the two members of this match that were definitely on the same page the most. They were the most cohesive. Um, not a lot of time to communicate, but they had that trust that Luscious Lawrence touched upon in our interview and ended up with the win um, in this huge battle royale. Not so much just uh, the trust, but uh, I feel like those two out of all the teams here uh, probably had the best instinct. Mm-hmm. Like having worked together for that long, like Lawrence probably knew what Omar Meager was thinking and vice versa. So whenever you get to a, that level with a, a partner, a wrestling tag team or anything in life, um, that's definitely going to be an asset to you and uh, your partner as well. Not to mention, I would say that they're probably the two most decorated single stars in this match. Between being a Kentucky Country Boy heavyweight champion and a OVW heavyweight champion, respectfully. You're absolutely right. I don't know that I can make that uh, same claim for anybody else that was was in this match. As we move throughout the evening, um, Shadam, Sh- Shadam, that's like their... <laughs> like that's their uh, ben- celebrity Benifer, couple name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. their uh, benefit. Shadam. Uh, Shadam, Shannon the Dude, and Adam Revolver uh, kind of let let each other know, confirm to each other that Shira's going to have to make a choice after last week. Yeah, that became pretty clear when they had a spectacular, um, just hung out to dry, literally, and they were like, hey, here you go, just fire at will, and he just kind of turned and walked away. It seemed pretty obvious that somebody's going to have to make some tough decisions this week, and that would be none other than the Indian Lion. We also saw kind of the uh, meeting of of the bad guys in another sketch. Uh, the Overman and the Bad Girls Club are in the same room, and yes, <laughs> I really I liked that they like were split kind of like yin and yang. Like they there was no commingling. The no. the Overman are on one side and the Bad Girls Club are on the other side, and the Bad Girls Club kind of prove uh, what we've known about the Overman all along is that they're kind of just like willing to take the path of least resistance the bad girls club ended up kicking them out of the room yeah um that was easy enough yeah it was very it was much easier than the overman probably would like to admit i really i just enjoyed that sketch kind of it's fun um in these like kind of intense angles like what we have going on with the bad girls club and all of their different uh fingers that they have and all the different pies and then what's going on with the Overmen and Shira and Godders. It's kind of fun just to have like a laugh for a second. Kind of just like to be goofy. Wrestling is wrestling is goofy. It's fun to be goofy. It's okay to be goofy. Yeah, and it was almost like a a, a joking um, premarital spat between uh, Layla Gray and uh, Certified Luke Curris, where she tells him that uh, he needs to handle his boy, and they just kind of need to like be on their merry way so they can they can get the talking. And you know, if you like. Certified Luke Curtis, or you like Layla Gray? I, I don't know. I don't maybe know. Just maybe just stay mm, close. Maybe you just like and subscribe yeah. to this podcast. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm you didn't hear just it from saying. me. Psst. Didn't hear it from me. Uh, Dimes ends up defeating Superior Tony Evans. That is probably because Superior Tony Evans does not have his insurance policy in the form of Jade De Niro. 
Yes, he uh, came out before the match and uh, made mention of that and had no idea where he was. And uh, honestly, his his promo before the match this week was honestly my favorite part of the episode. I mean, I get such pure joy out of watching that guy just tell a room full of people to hush and not giving not giving a shit about what anybody has to say or feel about it. It's just great. <laughs> I get a kick out of that. I'm sorry. Just I'm not. It's it is um, telling though how important Jaden Nero is to Tony Evans' plan uh, that he was bested by dimes this evening. We find out. We go on to find out that Crixus did dimes the favor of taking care of Jaden Nero. Yeah, sure did. Uh, beat him up behind the but backstage and uh, threw him out through the curtain and uh, pretty well made good on his promise from earlier in the evening, letting uh, Spiri Tony Evans know that uh, he had his eye on him because guess what? He sure did. As a matter of fact, he had both of them. So as, as this uh, feud between for the Kentucky Country Boy Heavyweight Championship continues to play out over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be looking for things to be a little more even between Crixus and Superior Tony Evans. I would I would like to think so, but then again, you just never can tell. I mean, when you've got uh, an insurance policy, a loaded glove, um, anything could happen. We see EC3 and Shannon the Dude FaceTiming. Uh, EC3 must have had big windows, a little bit more natural light in his hotel room this week because he was almost too saturated. Uh, he must have listened to my advice from last week and tried to work on the lighting a little bit, but this week is just a little too saturated. Just got to tone it down a little bit, buddy. You're almost there. You're almost there. You're so close. You, I, I, know, I know you can do it. I know you can do it, man. We believe in you, man. It's okay. It's you'll, just, you'll get there. Jackman and I believe in you. Mm-hmm. It's not becoming of the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion to not have good lighting. That's Incidentally... <clears throat> Tiny Brian, producer here. We Malachi and I in the booth. We just wanted to let him know that we also believe in EC3. Thank you. That he can get the lighting right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, EC3 uh, tries to talk with Shira. Shira is not having it. This is the kind of latest in Shira uh, turning his back on the Overman. If Shira could have paid any less attention to EC3. Uh, I don't even know that that would be possible because he just kind of like watched for a second and then just turned around and left. <laughs> Probably was blinded. Yeah, could very well be. I um, mean, those, you know, that light and those filters and all. Got to get that straight. This plays into what would spill out onto, into the ring um, where we see all of the Overmen and She-Ra. They give him one last proposition. Are you with us? Are you against us? What's it going to be? Shira, thumbs up. Everybody says, oh, no. Everybody in the audience says, oh, no. He's going to stick with these douchebags. Nope. Nope. That thumbs was not down. the case. Um, Jesse Goddard comes out, helps Shira as the beatdown is happening, and then we see cash flow come out. It's kind of a... Cashflow putting aside the differences that he's had with Shira over the last few weeks to do what's right. This is a theme of Cashflow's character over the last two to three months is putting himself aside, putting personal glory aside to help 
OVW to kind of do what's right as opposed to doing what maybe a younger cash flow would have done or a different version of cash flow would have done uh, and chase personal glory. And uh, don't forget about Jack Vaughn in that picture. Oh, yeah, Jack Vaughn. Um, we had kind of last week, this was something I was thinking about while we were watching that. Um, we, you, you had noted that Jack Vaughn maybe didn't look as intent on beating up Jesse Goddard's as the rest of the Overman did. Well, Je- Jack Vaughn's not in the Overman, but as the Overman did. Right. This week, if there's any question, I think that that's been erased, right? Jack Vaughn was full on in that beatdown. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious what page he's on as far as that goes after watching this week's episode. So who knows? Maybe uh, if Shira doesn't want in on the Overman, maybe that means there is an opening for the veteran. I just don't know. Maybe he's a hired hand. Who knows? I don't know where any of this is going, and it makes it that much more exciting to yeah, watch. <laughs> that's that's the best part. When um, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, or you don't really even have an educated guess as far as that goes, because I sure don't. And I don't even necessarily have a preference either, which is saying a lot. No. Like, I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> no, it's a series of if-then statements, and I'm fine with the outcome on yeah. any of those. Uh, the main event of the show here was a women's title match. I thought that this match was a little uh, snake bit. Snake bit? Yes. Um, like whenever you get bit by a snake and you've got a certain amount of time to fix the problem or you die slowly. Oh. I think this match died slowly. Hmm. Um, I think that from the very beginning, there was a lot of just like weird choices, a lot of pacing issues. Um, and something too that I noticed over the last few weeks is that OVW main event usually gets like the entrances started about 36 minutes out from the end of the broadcast. This match started at about 13 minutes out from the end of the broadcast. So not only was it a short main event, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, I'm not trying to make any implications why it was a shorter main event or anything like that. I just expected it with it being a shorter main event to be a lot tighter than it was. And if the match didn't start till about 13 minutes from the end of broadcast, there wasn't any sort of anything resembling a wrestling match until maybe about eight minutes from the end of the broadcast. Yeah, if anything, it was uh, like a relay race. You know, kept going around the ring, and I'm not a chicken, and you can say whatever you want about me, and mm-hmm. bok, bok, baka, and um, I don't know. Part of, The first part of it kind of laid an egg as far as that goes, since we're on the uh, the foul subject. And then there's this weird stipulation that I don't know that I've ever seen before that allowed Tiffany Nieves to win on disqualification. Usually a title match would never change hands on disqualification. No, I I noticed that too, and I thought that was kind of odd. But uh, about maybe like two-thirds of the way through it, like actually uh, after they stopped running around and actually got into the match, I was watching with our senior producer, Victor, and you can ask him. I called it. I I had a feeling that this was the way it was going to go, and I ended up being right. Uh, I kind of had a feeling that they were going to pull an Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, they did. Um, the ref uh, gets knocked knocked out by Hollywood Haley J by accident, and the Bad Girls Club uh, with the band Sock of Rocks. Uh, she's able to take out two of the members of the Bad Girls Club, leaving her versus Tiffany Dieves. Haley. Haley's yes. able to take yes. out two Yes. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't clarify that. Pronouns, pal. 
pronouns. As Vince McMahon would say. Uh, I see. But uh, she wasn't able to uh, take care of everybody. And according to Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. But uh, in this case, it didn't work out for the best because uh, what does Tiffany Nieves do? She throws the sock of rocks at Haley J and then falls to the ground as if she has been struck by said sock of rocks. And the ref comes to and there's confusion and... There you have disqualified. it. She's disqualified. And the title changes hands on a disqualification. Uh, La Princesa Tiffany Nieves, member of the Bad Girls Club, is your new Ohio Valley Wrestling Women's Champion. Um, this leaves Haley J with no belt, kind of the belt that she's come to define over the past couple of years. Uh, Hollywood Haley J, without a doubt, in my mind, probably maybe short of cash flow, the most popular person on the entire OVW roster. I'd say that's a fair statement, yeah. What's next for Holly Haley J? Um, I mean, I, I've heard some people say that because she lost the title this week and in the manner in which she lost the title, that they figure for sure that she is moving on uh, to bigger and better things outside of OVW. I don't necessarily believe that that's true. I feel like maybe... Uh, that storyline will continue for a while. I mean, obviously, you've got uh, the revenge angle that uh, you know everybody who who loses a title is going to seek. We still haven't seen even a proper pairing between her and Freya the Slayer and Titi. That's true. Uh, she was not able to participate for majority of the match that was scheduled last week. So, a lot of lot of stuff on the table for Hollywood Haley J. Um, if indeed she is still with OVW. I do know that she got called for a WWE tryout, but I don't believe that it's happened yet. Uh, no, it seems like I read the, something that there may have been like some like health issue maybe. or mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I, so if, if that hasn't happened yet and it still happens, best of luck to you, best of luck at the OVW, just best of luck in general. I believe in you too, kid. I'm going to have to agree with you, though, here in conclusion. is I don't think that this is the last we see of Hollywood Daily J and OVW. This isn't the last we see of her and Tiffany Nieves. This isn't the last time that we see the women's uh, championship title around her waist. She's got a lot more uh, left on her plate in Ohio Valley Wrestling. I'll have to agree with you on that one. Oh, yeah, and there's still so many stories to be had, and this is a... a choose your own adventure kind of thing and i mean i don't really feel like there's a uh a solid direction that i feel like any of these uh stories is going so i mean we're just you know left with questions in a world of blue as it were yeah this is a really really great uh week in terms of advancing the story in ohio valley wrestling because while every single person was given something to do that was advancing their story, we're left with more questions than we have answers. Um, So we're just going to have to see how it plays out, not only on television, but on the 21st at, what is is the the next one called? No Rest for the Wicked. No Rest for the Wicked, No Rest for the Wicked. We will be there rampside. We will be there rampside. Look out for us on the television. If you happen to recognize us for whatever reason, come and say hello. If you don't have your tickets, you're not getting any. And you can't come with us. Nope, because they are sold out, and we don't have any room in the car. Um, well, 
in conclusion, we've got a lot of great uh, the uh, Luscious Lawrence interview will be up on Thursday. I can't wait to go back and hear that. And uh, if we're not able to drop that promo in this week's episode, oh, there there may be a surprise. There may have already been a surprise at the top of the episode. Ooh, yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. See, I didn't realize that because I'm actually present time recording this episode with my buddy Jackman over here. It's, Future yes, us live. would know that, yes, but um, present us doesn't. Yeah, editor us, me and Malachi, in about an hour and a half, will make that decision. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there will be a fun little, fun little thing right off the top of this episode. Hmm. The Luscious Lawrence will be out this week. We have a great interview with Freya DeSlea and with Crixus as well. We're sitting down. Uh, tomorrow, come hell or high water, or should I say, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we'll be sitting down tomorrow to record a couple of interviews that will show up in the coming weeks. Uh, Thank you to all the OVW stars who have reached yes. out to us. Yes, uh, I was just getting ready to say that. Being on the show, and, and we will get to all of you. Please be patient. The us. response has been overwhelming, yes. and I'm I'm not even saying that. Like every time I turn around, it's like, oh my god, we just talked to somebody. We so, just talked to so and so. We just so, talked to this other person. So, folks, if you have questions for the stars of the OVW, just message us on social media. Or, good. Uh, yes, good point. And, yeah. uh, we and love we'd that. love to hear your thoughts. Yes, we we'd love, love to get that. your questions. So make sure you, you're reaching out and letting us know. Engage with us on social media in general. Yeah, it's okay. We don't bite. It's cool. Hard my mom said through the computer. My mom said it's okay. Like, we can talk and stuff and, and hang out. I'm only allowed on uh, Club Penguin. No other websites. Only Club Penguin and BritneySpears.com. Okay. Those are the only two websites I'm allowed on. The OVW Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Ohio Valley Wrestling, is produced by Black Light Moon Productions at Nuthouse Studios in Lexington, Kentucky. The OVW Podcast broadcast team is me, Jackman Oaks, and my co-host, Brian Hines. Word. Our studio engineer and editor is Malachi Woodard. Executive producer is Tiny Brian K. Woodard. Senior producer for The Blimp is Victor Anderson. Hush. After watching Netflix, Net, wrestlers on Netflix, visit ovwpodcast.com slash podcasters to find all of our episodes uh, on the unofficial Wrestlers After Show. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us for five stars and give us a good review and a hearty handshake. You can also follow us at OVW Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, X, TikTok, and wherever you find all of your favorite social media things. Thank you guys so much for Thanks again. Thank you.